Good afternoon and welcome into another episode of Hate the Player, Not the Game. Live again after a week off the air. It is time to talk a lot more about college basketball, the MLB, excuse me, just MLB. I don't know why I always screw that up. And the NBA, that one is has a thought in front of it. But yeah, so we got a lot of hirings and firings going on in terms of NCAA men's basketball specifically. Um, then we got the tournaments rounding up in men's and women's basketball. We got the first week of action in the MLB. MLB really just screwed it up again. And, you know, another good week of some NBA matchups, including one impressive one last night. But let's start off with the Sean Miller firing. So the longtime coach of the Arizona Wildcats was fired yesterday. I believe it is for cause, but, you know, can never be too exact about that. But, um, you know, this isn't really too shocking. He only had a year left on his deal. Um, but, I mean, it's just a lot of non-compliance issues, uh, Arizona has been at the forefront, I would say, of these FBI investigations going on. So I won't be surprised to see them really get the hammer down. I also won't be surprised if Sean Miller uh, doesn't return to college basketball. Um, looks like from what uh, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted about yesterday that he is looking at being an NBA assistant coach, probably, possibly, but... Um, again, I just think he's going to have a lot of baggage after this, and um, I don't think it's going to work. Arizona did impose a one-year postseason ban on themselves, but I, I think that's a little light. Um, they're going to have a lot of level one violations coming up. Um, so this is really just a matter of him not really having control of the program and also engaging in these acts more so. But, um, yeah, again, that's not really that surprising. But uh, something that was a little surprising to me was uh, Maryland extending Martertian, uh through 2025 to 2026 season. So um, this just came out yesterday. But, um, yeah, Mark Turgeon is going to be returning for a few more years. To Maryland, um, you know, Maryland people are not too excited about Mark Turgeon. He's, I think he's a really good coach. Um, the Big Ten is hard right now. I understand Maryland has a long history in basketball, but uh, this isn't too surprising at all. They reached the second conference, second round this year. I think it's just surprising in, um, in how far um, along he was extended, you know, 2025 to 2026 is a long way away. So this one is just, you know, a little, little befuddling, I would say. Um, but, uh, aside from that, we also have Chris Beard being hired as the new coach at the university of Texas. So this one was surprising in some ways, unsurprising in others. So, I mean, when you look at what Chris Beard has built at Texas Tech, it is pretty sounding. He also was one of the highest paid coaches at uh, in college basketball at Texas Tech. But again, it's it's Texas is also his alma mater, and you know you understand uh, going 
going back to Texas, I would say. It doesn't, it's kind of odd, but really isn't that odd. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think he'll be a good coach at Texas. I, I'm not sure if he can replicate what he did at Texas Tech because you have a lot of really good recruits at Texas, but it's also just a very different environment regarding uh, boosters, regarding you know players, regarding recruiting. It's just very different when you look at Texas compared to Texas Tech. But Texas Tech did rebound, hired, or promoted Mark Adams from assistant coach to head coach. So now they have a new head coach there. And I think Mark Adams is going to be uh, pretty – I think he's honestly kind of almost lateral. Um, I think Chris Beard's a great coach, but Mark Adams is also a uh, fantastic coach, a fantastic assistant. Everybody at Texas Tech seems very happy about him being there, and I don't think he has any inclination to leave um, for a long time. I mean, Chris Beard has also been at Texas Tech for a long time, but – Mark Adams, I think, is a good fit. Texas Tech, I think, is going to be continue to be a really good program, and I'm looking forward to what's going to happen there. Uh, moving on to another Big 12 team replacing a coach. Uh, of course, Oklahoma had uh, their coach retire this year, but uh, they will now have Porter Mosier in as their new head coach. So uh, this one, this is a kind of surprising Kind of surprising, uh, honestly, on Oklahoma's end. Just because, I mean, poor Mosier has done great work at um, Loyola Chicago, but picking him as a successor to uh, Long Kruger is just weird in the sense that poor Mosier really, he's been at Loyola Chicago for a long time. And I get that he took a thumb to the Final Four, but... Dominating that conference with Loyal Chicago and in that market in Chicago, it's just a very different environment than the Big 12, especially for Oklahoma. Um, this is going to be this is a big step for Port Rocher. I mean, you really don't have that many successful seasons. He's been at Loyal Chicago, and then before that, um, I believe he was at Illinois State. Um, but he had a long 17 seasons at Loyal Chicago. So he built them up to that state, but it took them a long time. And, I mean, it's a 293-242 record at Loyola Chicago. Certainly is good. I'm not sure, though. I would have liked to see a little more is basically what I'm saying from poor Mosher. Um, so they're going to have a lot to deal with. Um, so they, they're losing Austin Reese and Devian Harmon. Um, it's going to be a rebuilding gear, I think, for Oklahoma. I think they'll get third, though. I think he's going to be fine. I'm just not too sure about that. But uh, moving on, let's recap the tournament a little bit. Kind of been skirting around that. So, of course, the big winner this year was uh, all of us because this tournament was fantastic, but also the Baylor Bears. So not really going to go into why Baylor was in this position after all that happened through last year because I'm sure – it's been parroted a lot of times, but, um, you know, Baylor kind of rebuilt. They got all that out of their program, and, you know, they uh, they did really good to win this championship. Um, so Scott Drew did a fantastic job as coach there. Baylor, I mean, 
you just look at that defense. They weren't ranked top 20 in Ken Palm for some reason, but that defense was always elite. And I just don't think at this level, at this stage, I don't think that defense was going to give up to anybody. And really, they just returned to where they were pre-COVID pause. And, you know, they're impressive. Uh, the other big news, though, was Saturday we got probably, I think, one of the best Final Four games ever in UCLA-Gonzaga. Um, what a performance by UCLA, man. They have a lot to look forward to in their future because nobody's really sure about who they are losing. Um, but this is going to be a... Uh, this is going to be a good UCLA team next year, but this was a great game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Houston did not do good against Baylor. Houston, I mean, they beat who was in front of them in, I believe that was the Midwest um, region. But, again, it's like it's Baylor, and Baylor really was going to hammer anybody. Fade them. Gonzaga was probably the best team Baylor's played year this year and they won 86 to 70 so i don't think this is the worst look for houston necessarily but um aside from that in the women's basketball game we had sanford take down arizona in a pretty electric championship game saw that it did incredible ratings on the expand which you always love to see for women's basketball but um you know it's an incredible game Haley jones uh really dominated this these last few weeks in the NCAA tournament, um, specifically in their final four games against South Carolina, which they could have easily lost. Um, but Haley Jones was really that it factor for Sanford, really the reason why they were still in it. But um, that is all the time I have to talk about college basketball for now. May revisit it down the line, but, you know, we're nearing the end of Season 2 of Hate the Player, Not the Game. So, going to have to look at that later. After the break, let's steal some signs and look at the MLB. MLB can't keep doing that. Thank you for listening to Hate the Player, Not the Game on KCOU 88.1 FM. Alrighty, welcome back to Hate the Player, Not the Game on KCLU 88.1 FM. So let's get into some looking in the general direction of the MLB because it's stealing signs. Almost got confused there. But uh, no seriousness, starting off, we got the MLB All-Star Game leaving Atlanta, heading to Denver. So this happened just around opening day last week, I believe it was last Friday. Where the MLB, MLB, cannot keep doing this to myself, announced that they were removing the All-Star game from Atlanta. And then just a few days ago, they decided to move it to Denver, Colorado. So we'll be at Coors Field, the home of the Colorado Rockies. Beautiful stadium, beautiful backdrop, beautiful city. Love Denver and everything about it. But, um... Yeah, this was a this was a really no brainer move from MLB, um, because of what's been happening in Georgia, in terms of uh, that new voting rights or voting bill. Excuse me, doesn't really have many rights in it, but um, yeah, this was a move really to appease sponsors as well as just you know players and everybody in general. 
moving this out of Atlanta because of uh, that bill. Um, yeah, just some of the restrictions, some of the things that it allows the federal government, the state government to do, excuse me, and uh, just other things that are in that makes a lot of sense. We'll say very excited for the Denver All-Star Game. Um, and some people were bringing up how this really rewards a bad ownership group and a bad team in Colorado. But really, this is more so for the state of Colorado and Denver um, specifically because Denver was already looking to host an all-star game apparently again. Um, and now they get it earlier. Uh, they get in a year where they'll probably have a big amount of capacity available by a safe amount, unlike Texas, which... I hated to see what happened with the Texas Rangers this weekend. Um, and, you know, it's a state that really supports voters. Um, and right now, that's probably what the MLB, MLB was so worried about uh, when choosing where this went. They won't want to go somewhere that has just as many problems with voter rights as uh, the state of Georgia does. Um, I certainly hope, we'll say interjecting a lot of personal opinion here, certainly hope some of the things in that voting bill get um, overhauled quickly. Uh, you know, you look at some things, not necessarily the water thing, because that's what a lot of people are focusing on, because it just seems so weird. But there's some things with the ability to overturn, removing the Secretary of State, from the election commission, it just makes a lot of sense why a lot of people are opposed to this. But opening day, it's a great first week for baseball. Um, there's games going on right now, but you know this was a this was a fun first week. Uh, we had Trevor Bauer almost throwing no hitter, and then giving up four runs uh, in the seventh inning, and now he has an over four ERA. Just fun to see, uh, Kevin Gausman who many of you will know I really like Kevin Geisman as a pitcher and having a great star, 1.32 ERA through just two games started, 13.2 innings, two earned runs. Uh, very impressive performance by him. Happy accepted the qualifying offer. Hope they can work towards an extension there. That's just my personal fandom. Uh, the Oakland A's, though, have really been struggling. Um, they just got their first one. Yesterday, over the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, actually in the game that Trevor Bauer started. But, um, you know, this was a this is a struggling Oakland team. They're, they don't have a lot there. Um, when Elvis Andrews is really putting in as much as he is to the team, you can tell they're not going to go a lot of places. Uh, I mean, their leader in home runs is one with, in Marcana. Leading in batting average is... 2-2-2, two, 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 also Marcana. So that really shows you where this team is at right now. They cannot hit the ball. And they're giving up a lot of runs, too. They're just not playing good. Um, yeah, I think uh, Oakland will turn it around. Not sure how much, though. I think they're really just giving this division to Houston. Because outside of Houston, this division is not good right now. Speaking of Houston, though, something I've been meaning to say for a while, um, you know, I think it's time to move past the uh, crash campaigning stuff. I mean, I get people are mad about it still, but 
at this point, what good is it doing? It's just making people want more mad. And I think we just need to be less mad as a whole. It was it's long past time to move past this, really. Um, I mean, I get why people are mad. Obviously, I was mad at first, but you gotta move on in a sense. And I think. With some of the things MLB has done, definitely not living up to where they should have been in terms of this whole scandal. I get why people are mad about that, but I just think it's—I just think it's past time to really worry about that. Um, in more fun news, the Baltimore Orioles are currently in first place in the AL East, which is one of the more fun things to happen this year. Of course, the Orioles have not really played very many good teams. They did take one of three against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, but they swept the Boston Red Sox, so that's why they are in front right now at 4-2. Um, They're currently behind the Boston Red Sox in the bottom of the first, but uh, yeah, it's just fun to see the Orioles. I'll give them a 0.01% chance to make the playoffs. Um, of course, that fan graphs uh, prediction there. Um, Pablo Sandoval having a great week, though. Always love to see the Panda Bear doing a great job uh, in Atlanta, funny enough. But um, two pinch hit home runs. He's uh, on pace for 54 for the season. Uh, Atlanta's been struggling to start the season, so you got to look to see that. Um but yeah, that is actually all I have for Ceiling Signs MLB talk. So, again, great first week for baseball. Cannot wait for another great week of baseball. Cannot wait for the full marathon of 162 games. Gotta calm yourself down to an extent because each individual game doesn't matter as much this year, especially because they're not just playing your division the whole time. Just gotta calm myself down. But... After the break, it's time to look in the general direction of the NBA. We got some mock drafts coming out, and we got some uh, got some fun teams operating right now in the latter half of the NBA season, heading in to the NBA playoffs. Thank you for listening. To hate the player, not the game. Make sure to stay tuned. All right, welcome back to Hate the Player, not the game. Let's now look in the general direction of the NBA. Going to get this done and then head out a little early. Getting done early for once. That never happens on this show. But we finally have a mock draft. You know, a new mock draft, I should say. Um, So it's nice to see this right after the uh, right after the season is done um, in the NCAA. So, now we have it in the NBA. So, of course, first pick is going to be Cade Huntingham. You know, you got Mobley and Suggs at the top. Um, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kamungo rounding out the top five. That's really not too surprising to see that group of uh, that group of people at the top like that. You got young, young, very athletic guys. Have a lot of positive upside. Uh, Keon Johnson, Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, Franz Wagner, Wagner, excuse me, and Scotty Barnes round out the top 10. So it looks like a pretty good draft class for the NBA this year. 
Uh, very excited to see what actually happens. You know, with some of these picks. Of course, the lottery not going down for a long time. But, uh, you know, it's a lot to see. But uh, speaking of things that aren't going to go down for a long time, uh, let's talk the Brooklyn Nets because the uh, Brooklyn Nets are starting to uh, scare me. <laughs> Uh, this is a, uh, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are crazy, man. Um, I don't, I just don't see how anybody can be this team, especially with the Lakers not healthy. Like, come on. The, the Pelicans lost by 20. They only beat the Knicks by two, but man, you just go back. This team just wins constantly. It's crazy. Like, this team struggled a bit at the beginning, and now, now that, I mean, now that they absorbed everybody into them, uh, looks like they're going to run away with it. Um, I mean, you have Kyrie Irving really just doing a lot by himself. They had Kevin Durant out, and you could barely feel it. Like, this is just such a crazy loaded team now. Of course, you got LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin um, now joining the team. Um... But really, those guys are just there kind of to supplement everybody else. Uh, and I was seeing a lot of stuff about, like, you know, these guys taking minimum contracts after having such bloated contracts with other teams. And I think it, I think it's fair. Like, they think, like, people are mad that they were getting criticized for joining the team after being such a bloated contract. And but I think it's fair to compare somebody compare somebody's production when they're making thirty million dollars a year as opposed to when they're making one costing a team one million dollars a year on a minimum deal. Like minimum deals really do not hurt the bank at all. And you know, max deals really do. But um you know, this Brooklyn team, I think they're destined to come out of the East. I just don't see how anybody in the East can really take them down. There's just not like there's not really a, uh, there's just not a team built enough. I would say the biggest challenge to them is going to be Philadelphia. Uh, but even with Brooklyn's bad defense, I don't think Philadelphia is going to be that bad for them. Um, completely forgot to run down the standings, though. So we got Brooklyn in first place, Philadelphia in second, Milwaukee, you know, managing themselves at third. Then we have a huge drop off. Charlotte, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, New York rounding out the top eight. And Indiana and Chicago rounding out the play-in games. So uh, there's really three classes in the East right now. You got the top three teams, which is Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. No surprise there. Then you have that drop-off to Charlotte. And then there's just that pack for the rest of the playoffs. Um, and then, of course, you have the teams that aren't contending um, at all. So, the Eastern Conference has kind of managed itself out now. They're still pretty bad as a whole outside of those top three teams. Those three teams can contend with each other and contend with anybody. But outside of that, they're just not good this year. I mean, you're looking at teams like the Boston Celtics who have a lot of talent. Do they have an identity, though? Um, but that's... Getting a little sidetracked. Uh, and then in the Western Conference, we got the Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, LA Clippers, Denver Nuggets, the Lakers have fallen down to the fifth seed, which I, shows how long I've been off the air, and especially not talking about the NBA, that the Lakers have fallen this far in, since the last time I talked about the NBA. But um, 
yeah, I mean, that's injuries. That's what injuries do to a team. I'm not too surprised. Uh, Portland, Dallas, and Memphis surround, get the top eight. And then San Antonio and Golden State round out the top ten. New Orleans, though, New Orleans and Sacramento really kind of starting to grapple at the top ten. Definitely improving as of late. Uh, but, I mean, it's starting to get to that point where we talk about draft order with the bottom tier of teams, really. Um, and, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be below Minnesota this year. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of Warriors fans will want them to drop out of the top three. I'm not sure they're going to do that anymore. But, uh, yeah, that's enough of that. But uh, moving on to another team in the Eastern Conference I want to keep talking about. I just like talking about them in general, uh, the Miami Heat. So, uh, I mean, it's not – I think adding Old Depot was 100% the right move. And then they had this win streak, that four-game win streak. You know, they're – they're starting to uh, they're starting to turn it up, and this is what you want to see from a team that was very much struggling uh, before this. Um, you know, they had that huge losing streak in March, um, and now they're doing good. So, I mean, of course, you like to see Jimmy Butler is still still fantastic to watch. Bam Adebayo, it's really starting to take control of the front court against any team, really. Um, and so, you know, I think Miami is definitely on the right side of where things are going, but moving on to the Western conference real quick, before I get out of here, the Utah jazz are still incredible. 38 and 11. Um, wonder past it's just Utah jazz team, man. They're just, I don't, they just keep getting better. I mean, they lost two games to the Mavericks and Suns, but before that nine game win streak, um, I, I just don't, I just don't see any team being better than them the regular season. They've just really been turning it on. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has kept progressing, which people were worried about that after last year, but really he just keeps getting better at what he does. Um, and you know, they're an impressive team to watch. They're a fun team to watch. John Clarkson is fantastic off the bench. He's the deaf pretty much almost a definition of what you want in bench scoring right now. Rita Gobert is, of course, great on defense. They have all the other great pieces around them. They have a lot of continuity. They have a lot of lack of injuries. And these are just all things that add up to a team that is slave for a deep run. And I think that's what the Jazz are. But speaking of one of the teams that beat them, the Phoenix Suns, who may think is maybe the second-best team in the uh, – in the league this year, I wouldn't really be any, in any position to argue with them. But talking about runs, this Phoenix team is on a seven-game win streak. And, you know, this Phoenix team is so fun to watch. Chris Paul talked about it a lot when I was on Joe Miller's show, No Filler. Chris Paul was out one piece Phoenix needed. I kind of doubted that a little bit. Evidently, I was wrong because... Man, this Phoenix team, really, they just transformed themselves. After the bubble last year, and now with Chris Paul, that was the missing link they needed, and that just connects everything, and it works so well. Um, in terms of other things going on in the, ML in the NBA right now, forgot what league I was talking about for a second. Um, 
you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're still doing good. That's no surprise. They're the Milwaukee Bucks. They've been good for the last two years. Um, you know, they're playing a lot better down the stretch than they were uh, in the beginning of the year. I always love to see that. Uh, Denver Nuggets. Aaron Gordon was a great piece to add to Denver. Um, Jokic just gets the ball to him constantly a lot more than he got the ball in Orlando. Let's see. That Denver team is going to be one touch hard to contend with yet again in the Western Conference playoffs this year. Um, but that is all I have for looking in the general direction of the NBA, and that's all I have for hate the player, not the game. Thank you for listening to yet another week of me rambling on about the MLB, NBA, and college basketball. This will be the last week of college basketball. Though, have to figure out what I'm going to talk about between now and next week. But thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your Thursday and the rest of your week. And make sure to stay safe, 